0: Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. This is Connor Beaton, and today on the midweek mini episode, it's going to be a little bit longer than normal. Uh, recently, I was interviewed on a great podcast, and uh, the interviewee, Matt, asked a great question about why is it lonely at the top, and why do we <laughs> why do we buy into that narrative? So I kind of go off on a little bit of a, of a really important conversation. Uh, and a little bit of a rant talking about why it's not lonely at the top. Why It doesn't have to be like that and why that's actually an unhealthy narrative and how we can start to shift that narratives for ourselves as people that are all driving towards some version of success and fulfillment. And uh, so I wanted to bring this to you today because it's a really important conversation And uh, I've talked about a little bit before on Instagram, but this was just a really great dialogue that summarizes it all up. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Let me know if this landed for you. Don't forget to share uh, on whatever platform that you listen to on and uh, rate and and review and subscribe. So thanks so much, team. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.
1: Welcome to the Goal Achievement Podcast, Connor. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: Awesome. I was just—I mentioned this in the pre-roll, but I've been like taking in so much of your content lately. I can't wait to dive in. So I—I got to kick the show off by saying congrats on your recent marriage.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's see, about like two and a half or three weeks ago now.
1: Yeah, it's still going. It's still going swimmingly. I—I I, yeah. I would assume.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I—I I made the. Uh, I made the blessing and the curse of, of marrying I'm a, a marriage and family therapist. So we are all about relationships in our home and uh, having exceptional relationships. And uh, I figured what's the best way to level up? Well, it's to it's to marry someone who's not going to let you get away with anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah but it's uh it's been amazing so far and uh we didn't take a honeymoon yet that's gonna happen okay. in november yeah um but yeah things are amazing
1: oh are do you mind sharing where you're gonna honeymoon
0: yeah no problem so we're actually gonna head out to patagonia um oh, wow. i right, yeah wow. i cool. i'm a big Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's not like a normal traditional place that most people would go on their honeymoon You know, most people go to like the beach and and whatnot, but um, I'm a big hiker. I love the mountains and uh, In Patagonia, there's a really incredible mountain range called Torres del Pine And it's one of the best places to go hiking and there's some really cool um, locations around there to stay. And we happened to find one that we both absolutely loved. And so we're going to go there for seven days. And then um, the second part of the trip will probably be uh, heading off to one of the islands on South America or, you know, go over to uh, chile we're, we're we're undecided on the second part of the of okay the honeymoon. that's
1: awesome yeah. man that is yeah. so cool yeah i don't that's amazing very cool and like i said congrats so i've been married for i just celebrated rachel and i just celebrated our 10th anniversary and uh i can say marriage is like the greatest thing ever i just it's been amazing and and uh hopefully you can you have an amazing experience so it's yeah uh, it is an amazing thing so
0: Wonderful! Well, yeah, congrats. Yeah, yeah. Ten oh, years, yeah. Ten years is no is no joke. That's yeah, a good accomplishment. Ten
1: years is now we got it. We need to like get serious because we always thought you know we'd probably have kids and we've just freaking had a blast for ten years. And um, <laughs> so I just turned forty and we just celebrated ten years and I'm like, man, I got to get my act together. And if we're gonna, or or I guess we just continue to have a blast and and don't worry about it. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's that's that's the only only drawback is you have to start weighing like. I don't know it's uh, you have to start weighing kind of amazing option options because you're going to enjoy just being married and like no kids and then you ha- but you you know I'm, I've, I've heard in your podcast you mentioned kids so that's why I say that like that balancing act is is interesting yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and it's and it, and it definitely is uh you know it's like how do we I hear a lot of couples going through this because statistically the couples and people in general are waiting until later and later in life to actually have kids. And so 50 years ago, the average age, I think, was like 23 or 24. Gosh. And the, the average age has now spiked up to like 31, I believe. And so okay. more and more people are waiting until later in life. And I think um, for most of them, it's because of that exact thing. It's like, look, I'm really having fun or I don't feel prepared at all, <laughs> which is like, that was my case. I was like, I don't I don't feel prepared at all for this, Yeah, um, which I don't think most people do. Um, and, and so people just, you know, they hold off until they feel a little bit more established or they can go and do the traveling. And I think it's, it's an interesting question of how we, you know, Vienna and I have always talked about how do we integrate the fun of, of, you know, not parenting, not being parents into the life of when we do have kids. And I think that that's a that's a healthy mission that we're going to undertake. So hopefully others have, have undertaken that mission.
1: I definitely have some friends that have done it very gracefully. So yeah, yeah, no, no doubt it can be done. Yeah. So so I'm dying to, I'm dying to pick your brain on this. So I've listened to you mention a few times, um, in different, in kind of different podcast recordings and your TEDx, but you've said that, um, you hate the phrase that it's lonely at the top. Mm. Hmm. Um, I I can attribute that to you, that that rings a bell. I'm not totally catching you off guard, am I?
0: No, not at all.
1: So why, um, why do you hate that phrase? Why do you hate the phrase, it's lonely at the top?
0: Uh, you know any time that we have these these types of sayings they create a belief structure within our minds conceptually and so when people hear that they often buy into it and what that does is it tells people that in order to be successful they have to accept loneliness that in order to reach the top of whatever success looks like for them whether it's financially in their career in the business that they build in their you know health and fitness uh, if they want to run marathons and whatnot, what that tells them is that, hey, in order for you to get there, what you have to sacrifice is human connection and love and community. And, and that when you reach the top, <laughs> this is the most screwed up part for me. The, the part of that messaging that's the, that's the most uh, harsh is that, is that what it tells people is that when you reach the top, you are inevitably going to be missing something. And that's something that you're going to be missing is human connection. And what we know, the science of, of what creates healthy long-term lives, there's a great study out of Harvard recently that was done over 75 years. And it followed people around. And over the course of those 75 years, what they were trying to find out is what's the most important thing for happy, healthy, long-term relation, uh, not not long relationships, but long life. And the majority of the candidates they followed were actually men. And so what they did was a, a two part study. Some of the some of the men were from Harvard and some of the men were from the surrounding area. And they followed them and their families over the course of 75 years. And this study is still going on, by the way. But after 75 years, what they found was the greatest, the single greatest predictor of happiness, of long term life, of a decrease in uh in heart issues in cancers in high blood pressures uh in depression in anxiety the number one predictor of a happy healthy life was our relationships was the quality of our relationships and so as a Type people as very success driven and goal oriented people What what we often do is we say okay well it's going to be lonely at the top so i better start sacrificing that now and the the challenge is that so many people get stuck in this belief system that doesn't work and they get to achieving their goals right maybe they set the goal of starting a company that reaches seven figures and they start the company and it takes them five years and they finally reach the seven figure mark and they get to what they would consider as the top and they get there and they're like, wow, it really is lonely at the top because they bought into that before they even started the journey. And then and then what do they do? Well, they perpetuate that same notion. And we know that this is unhealthy. We know that this uh, notion, that this belief, that this sort of phrase is unhealthy. And I have been a huge advocate. I don't even know if that's the right word, but um, I really have spoken out against it because I think it's bullshit. And I think that we can change that and say, you know, who do I want to bring with me to the top when I am standing on my Everest in my life? Who do I want to be standing next to me? Because even with that analogy of climbing Everest, you can't do it alone. You legitimately can't. There are people that go with you, even if it's a sherpa or a guide. There are there are people that have to rise with you to the top. And so I'm so I guess I'm very passionate about that because I I have seen far too many people reach the top, have their version of success, reach their their sort of Everest, and feel like shit, and fall very quickly from the top of their mountain because there's no one there supporting them.
1: So it's lonely at the top's kind of a, you know, kind of a cliche saying, you know, that's been around forever. Did you just think of that saying one day and you're just like that's bullshit and you just like when when was this dawning? <laughs>
0: uh I mean it was actually in my um in my previous career so in my 20s uh, I actually went and got a degree in music and in opera performance, and I was an opera singer for a few years. And I remember we had one of the one of the, like, the most famous uh, famous uh, American uh, classical singers come in and lead a workshop. And they, they said this. They said it's lonely at the top. And at the time, I bought into it. And you know I started to go through my career and, and travel around the world. And, and that thought had always stuck with me. And when I left that career and you know spent two and a half years doing self-development and studying psychology and studying Jungian psychology and positive psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy, I started to see that that, that narrative, that story that we tell ourselves is so detrimental to people's well-being in the, in the long term. And so later on in life I you know when I started leading workshops and coaching people, um, I heard this saying again of it's lonely at the top. And I was, I remember I was at a conference probably about three or four years back and somebody said that. And in the VIP dinner, I was sitting there and I i just, I couldn't listen to it. And I actually spoke out against their person. I was like, no, that's such garbage. Like that's a belief that you bought into and it's bullshit. And it's its one of the reasons, one of the things that it's inevitably going to hold you back. Yeah. And I said, if you are in this room and there was a room of like 300 entrepreneurs, I said, if you are in this room just know that it's lonely at the top is a conscious freaking choice, and it doesn't have to be. And we have to stop perpetuating these unhealthy narratives as entrepreneurs and as professionals that you have to be alone to be successful. It's garbage, it's unhealthy, and it's perpetuated by people that maybe sacrificed too much or sacrificed what they didn't want to sacrifice in order to have success. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. How do you think? Um, I mean, they're just spitballing here. So how do you think like high performers can ensure that, you know, it's not lonely at the top once they get there?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So one of the things that we can start to look at is building our own team and, you know, executives, athletes, uh, a, a lot of people have to they're sort of forced into this place of building their teams the, the challenge is that most of us spend the majority of our time building our teams within our business or building our sports team or building, you know, the, the team of our family. And what we what we really can start to do is shift our attention of how do I build my own personal board of directors, the people that I can surround myself with. Like I just led a workshop in uh, D.C. in Washington, D.C. for a group of entrepreneurs. And one of the things that we talked about, you know, we've all heard the saying, you are the total sum of the five people that you spend uh, the most time with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The challenge is that most people don't actually optimize or 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 sort of maximize the potential of the five people that they spend the most time with. They're not very intentional about it. And so what we can start to do is say, okay, how do I build my board of directors? How do I build my own personal team? The people, the, the three to five people that I am going to let m- give me relentless feedback. I'm going to let them support me. I'm going to let them love me. I'm going to let them be the cheerleaders in my corner and I'm going to commit wholeheartedly to doing the exact same thing for them because the, the challenge is most of us say, oh, it's, I'm so busy that I don't have time to really support other people or I'm so busy I don't have time to really let other people support me. And what we can do is we start to carve out specific time to join a group, to you know create those types of connections with our life. And to really be committed and intentional about building those types of relationships. And when we can do that, we start to shift the narrative so that Mm -hmm. wherever we are on the journey, we're being intentional about saying, here are the three to five people that I'm going to trust implicitly with my life, with my relationships, with my mental and emotional health. When, when I am out of line I'm gonna trust them to call me forward and I'm gonna trust them to be in my corner so that I don't have to feel shame for asking for help or support I don't have to feel like I'm broken or that I'm failing because I need a little bit of a pick-me-up on a certain day when everything seems to be raining down upon me you know which which inevitably happens as high performers there's gonna be days where it just all comes pouring in
1: well you know it's funny because you know, so many times, like how often do you hear of people who like reach some, you know, out of this world goal, like, I don't know, climbing a huge mountain or selling their business for, you know, a huge exit or, or achieving a business goal in sales that, you know, they thought was a, you know, a huge goal or, you know, finishing a marathon or whatever it is. So they, they achieve their monster goal, or what mm. they thought was a monster goal. And then, you know, it's like an inevitable, the next reaction with like, almost anyone as long as they're a human is like what now Mm -hmm. like it wasn't quite what it was all and it's almost like lonely at the top is almost like uh could almost be as I like am just staring at it on my computer screen it's like lonely at the top's almost like um you know be careful it's almost more about the journey than it is about you know uh you know the final destination because I don't know is it I don't know does that make any sense
0: totally it totally makes sense and the the challenge is is that for many of us it can be this narrative can become the deterrent from our own success it can be the thing that subconsciously or unconsciously prevents us from truly chasing our dreams because the risk and reward doesn't equal out right the mm-hmm. the sacrifice and reward doesn't equal out mm-hmm. and this is the conflict that many people have when they look at Uh, The the goals and the dreams that they actually have for themselves. They look at them and they say, okay, I want to build this company I want to run this race I want to you know become this artist whatever it is and they start to pursue that and in the back of their mind is the chirping of when I Get there. What will I have had to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. because success comes with a price tag And for many people, they don't want to look at the price they have to pay in order to have that success. And the the reality is, is that we need to come to terms with the price that we're willing to pay. And for many people, because they believe, because we've sort of been indoctrinated from the old you know the old guard the old generation um that that it's lonely at the top that plays in our script that plays in our mind and so when we start to look forward to our goal to that you know everest moment we start to believe that okay i'm going to have to pay the price of getting there and being alone but i have all of these great people in my life and i don't want to leave them behind right i have these great friends who i love spending time with and i don't want to sacrifice that and so we have to be able to intentionally design our trajectory and our Everest, and we have to be able to say who's going to be our Sherpa, who's going to be on this trek with me, who, who do I want to actually take with me to the top to, you know, to push them and have them push me. And I, I think the other the other important piece about this is that when we and if we get to the top, and, and I just want to say that like So many of the people that come and work with me are people who have rode this, rode this train and, and, and believed in this belief in some capacity Mm -hmm. and they've had success and they've got to the top. And for whatever reason, they're like, something's missing and I have Mm -hmm. no idea what it is, but I feel like there's this empty part in me. I've made the million dollars. I've built the, you know, hundred million dollar company. I've made the exit and And now I feel like something's missing because it's not what I expected it to be or or once it's done, once they've reached their goal, there is this huge void that shows up of, well, now what? Now what? Right. People plan for the exit, but they don't plan for after the exit. And this is where this is where our our friends and our family and the five people that we spend the most time with are so absolutely freaking crucial because when you do make the exit, when you do reach the the pinnacle of the mountain, if you are standing there by yourself and you start to descend the mountain, That's the loneliest part. That's the hardest part because now your identity that you've spent the last 10 years pouring into your company and building this incredible mission that you've now sold off and exited and you leave that, if you're not prepared for what's after the exit, that can create a huge amount of turmoil and, and depression and anxiety and it can be a really challenging space. But if we are surrounded by people because we have... Uh, By really great people because we have intentionally climbed that mountain and reached that goal Then the descent is a little bit easier because at least we have people there to pick us up sometimes and, and dust us off and say like You're gonna get through this and you're gonna be okay and it might suck right now But you're gonna find your next peak you're gonna find your next Everest and I'm gonna be beside you the entire way
1: Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. No, that's that's really good. Let me ask you, I've heard you talk a lot about kind of men craving freedom and that being something that that they crave. Why? Why is that? Why do you think men particularly crave freedom?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So a big part of our natural desire when it comes to freedom is that there is some connection to our sense of purpose. Right. So when we have found a, a sense of purpose in life, it oftentimes comes with the sense of freedom. We, we usually feel up until that point like we are not free in some way. If we're not living with purpose, if we aren't aligned to our inherent values and our mission and we're not living authentically, we don't feel free. We feel caged and trapped and we feel stuck in other people's beliefs or what other people have wanted for our lives. And part of the freedom that we seek uh, as men, or as part of the freedom that the masculine seeks within all of us, is to really be able to create and order and structure our own lives. And the reason why we desire that is no one really, not no one, but most people don't want other people to tell them what to do. And men, especially <laughs> men, for the large part, especially don't want people to tell them what to do. And so there's this huge sort, uh, there's this huge sort of rejection of having other people tell us what to do. Now here's the here's the catch twenty two of freedom, is that we can find freedom within the structure of order, and we can find freedom within the structure of commitment. And so oftentimes when a man is seeking freedom, you know, and he has bought the one-way ticket to Thailand and he's just traveling the world aimlessly and he's got this what externally would look like absolute freedom, right? No responsibility whatsoever, mm-hmm. no plans, no, uh, no direction, nothing holding him down. That is usually where he – that's usually where he feels almost the most lost because for many of us, we have to go on this journey to find freedom within order, within structure, within creativity. And so we, we crave that freedom naturally because it's a sign for us as men specifically that we have started to take our own destiny in some way, shape or form into our own hands. And it's a it's a signpost that we have said, OK, I'm going to take my life. In my own hands. I'm going to stop letting other people tell me exactly what I should be doing or how I should be doing it or where I should be living or how I should be living. And I'm going to start to figure out what it is that I actually want for myself and my life and my relationship. And when we do that, there is a resemblance of freedom. And and that's actually what we are craving behind the freedom that we are seeking as men is the desire to have our own direction and to not have our lives directed by other people.
1: You think women also crave freedom?
0: Yeah, I think I think women often crave freedom in a in a different way, and it's a bit of a generalization, but they definitely do. Um, it just shows up in in different ways, and we can see this, you know, largely in how uh, women have been socially um, cultured and, and indoctrinated, and the values that we put on men versus women women societally, right? So men are largely performance based objects. And there is a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis that is put on men to perform, whether that's to perform in the boardroom or in the bedroom. Or, you know within what they do as a father or as a husband But we put a lot of pressure on men as men especially to perform and for women culture and society has put a lot of pressure on them to conform to being beauty objects And so there is a, a lot of conformity within the the female world around having to conform to certain beauty norms And so for a lot of women part of the part of the freedom that they often seek is is Internally the desire to move to a space of really being able to love themselves in a way where they can feel whole and connected and and they can let go of the societal beauty norms that are sort of pressed upon them by mainstream media and cultures and religions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the type of freedom that that they often seek is the, is the ability to reach a place where they define their own beauty. They create their own beauty standards. And we can see this in the last few decades where there's this huge movement. For women to reclaim their own versions of what beauty actually is and for them to define it to not have men defining it for them. Um, but for them to actually come to come to grips or come to the plate and say here's how I define it And here's how here's what I think beauty actually is for me and I find freedom in that And so that's I think that's how it largely shows up for women um, It can definitely show up in other ways and I'm not a woman So I don't have all the answers of how that would show up um, But that's how I've seen it show up and, and that's how my my wife has talked about freedom showing up for for her specifically